right. We love God and we're here to worship Him in spirit and truth this morning. We're glad you're here. We love and appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, have a Bible. Turn your attention to the book of Galatians. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Wonderful to have you here this morning. And it's wonderful to be in the presence of God. Galatians chapter 1. Beginning with verse 3. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. When you... Maybe stop and think for a little while and let your mind expand and, you know, how did we get here? And how did we get what we've got? It's a good thing to get that straight in your mind and to keep it straight in your mind. To be convinced, to be convinced that this is not fly-by-night, that just anything will do, but that you're realizing that there is something that rests on what you believe and why you believe it, and that is eternity. Eternity is hanging in the balance here, and you want to be conscious of that. It's not I, I believe in, in routine. I know that we are creatures of habit. And uh, that's why it's important to develop good habits. That's for sure. And, um, but it is good that we do some things out of routine. It is good that we uh, develop good habits. Getting up Sunday mornings, coming to church, coming back for Sunday night getting ready for Monday night prayer and 
Wednesday night uh, midweek service. And then, of course, we have added to our schedule pretty regularly Tuesday night going to our church in Fort Myers. And then we have our youth on Friday night. And then we have outreach on, on Saturdays and reaching for brand new people. All of these things are important and important to be a part of. It's important that it, it become a part of you as much as one, one place the writer Paul was inspired to say about the peace of God and as much as lieth in you. So to have the right thing in us and to develop and getting that developed in us that we're not going to let this slip as it teaches in the Bible. We're not going to let this slip. We're not going to let the, the things of God and the Word of God, not going to let it slip away. We want, we want this to be an integral part of us. We want this to be deeply rooted and grounded in us. Uh, this, we are not fly-by-night people. What we believe is not fly-by-night. And we're going to um, take seriously what we have and what's being offered to us. When Jesus Christ, Matthew 16, 16 through 18, he introduced his church, and he was trying to get it out there. He wanted the, the plan, even to the point that he told them that would follow him and listen to him, and he said, uh, those that would come to church and sit down with him, and, and Bible study, if you please, and he told them, he said, uh, he wanted to know who men thought he was and, and then who they thought he was. And this is where the Spirit gave Peter the revelation that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he wasn't an also ran, he wasn't a brand X, he wasn't, uh, you know, just any, anybody. But uh, as he had said, there's one that standeth among you uh, that's greater than Solomon, and trying to get their attention, even to one place where he said before Abraham was, I am, that got their attention. They were ready to, to chuck him over the edge of the cliff on that one. And, uh, but fortunately, he was able to pass through them and to go on about the work of the Lord. You know, sometimes things come up. I know in Belglade, for an example, uh, you can be riding along and you'll suddenly see what looks like a twister or a, a um, you know, a funnel cloud. And, uh, but it's not a, a vicious storm so much as it is just a funnel cloud of muck. Maybe the land has been disked and um, the soil is kind of free. It's, there's no sweet cane growing on it at that moment or any other crop and uh, so the wind can come through and it can grab it and pull it up and make a funnel cloud and so there are uh, times when a wind will come and it will make some type of a funnel cloud like that and it uh, kicks up its heels so to speak and you know sometimes that happens to us in our walk and living for God that there'll come a, 
semblance of a storm. And it will uh, really kind of kick up a little bit. The wind will come in, and the leaves of the trees and the bushes will get going crazy. And, and, uh, but then before you know it, it has a way of fading away and dying down. And it's, it was here and it was gone. But you know, the church that Jesus gave birth to, the church that he introduced, the church that the body of Christ that he started, the only one he ever started, it wasn't here today and gone tomorrow. Jesus made it clear that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Oh, it's going to kick up its heels. It's going to make funnel clouds and put dirt in the air. It's going to do like March is doing right now. Kind of, you know, March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. But I think the lion's trying to get his last roar in there. <laughs> Here we are in the last week of the month, and I'm still waiting for the bah of the lamb. <laughs> and, uh, and yet we still seem to be getting a little bit of the roar of the lion, don't we? The weather has been a little odd. And it, it seems to be uh, what's been bad weather, especially in other parts of the nation. We've been so blessed. But, you know, we're spoiled. We're spoiled. Just like I tell people my Belgrade congregation is spoiled. And I've spoiled them. I, I've done it. <laughs> I, take, I take responsibility for it. But um, I, um, I'm saying that we, we've been very blessed and we have such good weather. I told a woman pumping her gas and I was pumping my gas and and um, I, it was raining, and I said, um, I said, well, I said, look like this old rain is just here to bother us a little bit. She said, well, it's a whole lot better than where it was where I come from. And so I said, I said, yes, that is true. And I said, we, we're really uh, doing real well, actually, compared to the rest of the country. We're very, very blessed. And uh, we've been blessed now going on probably nine years not to have a hurricane and not to have any vicious storm. God's been so good to us. And you keep thanking Him for that. You keep praising Him for that. Don't take it for granted. And uh, yet I'm saying to you, the, the, there will come some little kick up, won't there? And there'll be a little uh, drop in temperature. The wind kicking up signals that there's probably going to be a little drop in the temperature. And next thing you know, it's we got to pull cover because it's 70 degrees or 69 or 68 or something. And and boy, we get a little chilly with that. What would we do in the 40s and the 30s and the 20s, huh? We don't even want to think about that. I know I don't want to think about that. I like not just Florida, but I like South Florida. I'm very thankful. But I'm saying to you that the enemy will come in. And the Bible said that. And he, when he comes in, sometimes he brings a flood. Sometimes he brings a funnel cloud. Sometimes, as Paul said, he'll come in and buff it, you know, and he'll just bump things around and kick things around. And, and, uh, but you and I have got to learn how to take that in stride. We've got to learn how to adjust ourselves to that. We have to have faith in the storm. We can't uh, get panicky. You know, a lot of people have died because they panicked. When had they not panicked, they'd be very much alive and with us today. It's important to uh, realize that Tests are going to come. And some things, sometimes there's tests that come to try or to test your spirit. 
to see how you're doing, to, to help you to take a little uh, look in the, the mirror of the perfect law of liberty, the Word of God, and to examine yourself, the Scripture said. Evaluate yourself to see how you're doing and decide whether or not maybe you need to uh, bulk up a little bit. You might need to take a muscle-building course, a spiritual muscle-building course. Uh, you might need to put in some prayer. You might need to put in some fasting, push the plate back a little bit, do without something. And you might want to think about reading the Word of God a little bit more and pressing yourself into the kingdom of God. The Bible teaches about that. That we have to um, realize that we have something here that is not fly-by-night. We have something here that is, is rooted and grounded and settled in the Word of God and in the in the body of Christ is settled into the earth and has been for almost 2,000 years. As I said, it wasn't introduced and then gone the next day. It didn't open its doors and shut them down the next day. It didn't get all shuttered up. But the, the Word of God uh, brings to us the knowledge of the truth of the church that Jesus Christ himself started and the only church that he ever started. And when he started it, he, he did it by giving his life on the cross and he shed the blood of God and he did that so that you and I could be saved so that we could be saved from sin that we could be delivered from the enemy the devil and from that place called hell that we could he that he made a way of escape and that we didn't have to uh, be subject any longer to the uh, things of this world but that we could now have a vision of something greater and grander that we could lift up our eyes and see beyond this life, that we could envision the world to come, that we could realize that <clears throat> there is something that he has prepared for them that not only love him, but that wait for him, and that he is coming back, and that he will return as a thief in the night, and he will catch the precious uh, fruit of the earth away. He will take the body of Christ out of here. And that we will be with Him for all of eternity. And not only will we be with Him in what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb, but that we will be come back with Him. My God shall come back. His feet shall touch the Mount of Olives and it's going to cleave east and west. And then it's going to open north and south and there'll be a valley in the midst thereof. I want you to understand that He's coming with all His saints. And I want to be among that number. I want to be among that number that's going to hear his voice in the grave. I want to hear that voice that tells me to get up and get out of there. As the old song said, ain't no grave going to hold this body down. I don't want to be held down here and now by sin and the, and the arms and the clutches of the enemy. Neither do I want to be held down in that day when the voice of the Almighty comes with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. I want to be caught up together. I want to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Don't want to miss that, for there's not anything worth missing that for. And so I want to take what God has given to us seriously. I want to, you know, the kids have a, uh, the young people, us young people, have a way of saying, seriously? Well, I usually tell them, one of you know me not to be serious. You know, and I do have my wonderful island people that they don't do well with kidding. Somehow, a little joke and a little kidding with them, they, they look at you funny, you know. They, 
they haven't quite got adjusted to that kind of uh, dealing with things, you know. And, and maybe it's because they take things seriously. And it's okay to take things seriously, okay? It really is. And, and uh, the Bible does tell us to be sober. It does tell us to be vigilant. It does tell us to realize that we have an enemy, an enemy of our soul. And he goes to and fro uh, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's after you. He doesn't just want to devour your lunch. He wants to devour you for lunch. You hear me? He wants to destroy every good, godly thing in your life. He doesn't want you to believe the gospel. And if you do believe the gospel, then he's looking for another way to trip you up. Once you get born again of water and spirit, once that means once you repent of your sins and you get baptized in Jesus' name and you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, placing you in the body of Christ, that's, that's what saved you and delivered you, then he's looking for some way then that he can pervert what you've got. And see, when Jesus gave birth to his church, when Jesus launched his church, as he trained them and taught disciples, and it came to a number of above 500 that were with him after he had risen from the dead. And now he's giving them last-minute instructions. Well, right there at the end of, of this momentous moment, he has risen from the dead. He has showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. He has appeared in the midst of them. He's opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. He told them that repentance and remission of sins was to be preached in his name among all nations. And his name is Jesus Christ. And then he said that they were to go and wait for the promise of the Spirit. He said, I've told you about it. Now go and wait in the city of Jerusalem until you receive that promise of the Father. Till you receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. He told them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And so they went. Only problem is, it was about 120 that went. The problem was about 380 plus decided we're not going to follow his instructions. We're not going to do what he said. We've got other ideas. we got another way of looking at it. And they took another attitude about things. And you know, I'm telling you, that's where you got to wake up and realize the enemy. Once you're, you're right on the brink of something here, you're right on the cusp of something here, and you need to realize that. We grow closer and closer to the coming of the Lord with every split second that goes by. And yet, there's an enemy that wants to help you to trip up. He wants to stick his big ugly foot out there and just trip you as it is written. You did run well. Who did hinder you? He said, and there's a persuasion that's working on your heart. He said, and it didn't come from him that's calling you. Him that's calling you. Jesus Christ is calling you. He's telling you you're in a race. And he's telling you to run that race that's set before you. He's telling you to watch out what you surround yourself with. Because you've got to realize that there are many surroundings that are not good. You Today in this world in which we live, one of their big features is surround sound. Well, you make sure what the sound is that's being surrounding you. I don't want to hear the clamor. I don't want to hear the strident, loud, complaining voices, argumentative voices of people that are just 
always having a fuss about something. They are somehow or another, they haven't got that peace of God lying within them. They haven't got that gospel truth of him lying within them where it's on the forefront, where it's on the edge of their, uh, of their lives and the tip of their tongue and they're constantly looking to share it. You know, my wife said to somebody, they said, by asking us to go on a cruise. I don't do cruises. If you do it, happy for you. Well, that's you. That's not me. And uh, uh, But they, they like cruises. Now, of course, this one individual likes cruises because of food. Food. Okay, well, what can I say? Um, but anyway, uh, they were trying to see if we'd go along with them. And um, my wife said, you know what? She said, I can't go anywhere with my husband but what he winds up teaching a Bible study. She said, I can't go anywhere with my husband but what he's telling me we need to come here and build a church. And she said, so what am I going to do? She said, I'm going to put him on a floating hotel in the middle of the water and everybody there is going to want him to teach them a Bible study. And she said, there's not going to be any break from anything. And pretty soon he'll want to set up shop on a floating hotel known as a crusade out in the middle of the water. Well, what can I tell you? You know, I'm the son of a church builder, <laughs> a son in the gospel. And I, I want to bring this everywhere. I want everybody to know about it. I, I walk into restaurants and they bring me in their friend and I want you to know uh, I'm, I, I've got them all around and we're joining hands and we're praying. It's a wonderful thing to share the gospel. It's a wonderful thing to bring the message. It's a wonderful thing to take seriously what God has given to us. I don't want to shun it. I don't want to avoid it. I don't want to let it grow old and dull in my life. I want to, I want to trim my lamp and let it be burning brightly. I, I absolutely want to let my light so shine that people can see something good and glorify my Father which is in heaven. With the world is full of phony, we are not phony. We are for real. We are for real. We are for real. Amen. 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 Come on. So, the church that Jesus launched 120 of them about. And they they do what Jesus says. They're serious about this thing. They're not going in this direction, in that direction, in the other direction. They're not holding back. They're not keeping back. They're not doing that. They're going full bore force forward. And they come to that upper room because that's what he told them to do. And there they get to that upper room of the church house. And they begin to worship him. They begin to praise him. They watched him go up and two angels standing by men in white apparel saying why stand you here gazing into heavens? Well I have to admit gazing up into heaven isn't a bad thing. If you got your vision on heaven that's probably a very good thing. So, um, But I understood the angels point. They were saying that same Jesus that you see go away is coming back again in like manner. So you want to go do what you got to do in the meantime and you've only got a short window. So you might want to get about your father's business, Luke 2.49. Get about your father's business. we got to be about it. If you're about anything else, you might want to keep that to a minimum. There are some things, yes, that we have to do and that are necessary. And, and uh, I understand that. God understands that. But you want to keep that to a minimum. Okay? You know, if you would think of a big circle and cut that circle in half, then you have 50% and 50%. 
put another one across going uh, horizontally, and now we've got we've got quarters. We've got 25%, 25%, 25%, 25%. Cut that pie again, and cut that pie again. Every time you do that, and you label that, and you're giving that to something, giving that to something, giving a piece of the pie here and a piece of the pie there of your life, in other words, a percentage of your life is going here and a percentage of your life is going there. You have to ask yourself, how much percentage of my life is there for God? How much am I giving to God? If you go to each of our services and involved with each and everything that we're doing uh, during the course of a week, 168 hours, you will find out that you're pretty well pressed hard to be giving 10%, 16.8 hours a week to God. That's not really very much. So I'm saying it takes a, an effort, a concerted, genuine effort here to use your time wisely, to say, he's coming back, and I want to meet him. I want to I be a part of that first resurrection, because if you miss that, there's nothing good to look forward to. And you won't want to hear the voice that calls you out of the grave then. You won't want to have to stand before him that sits, the only one that sits on the throne coming down out of heaven. You won't want to be there and the books be opened because your name won't be there if you miss the first resurrection. The second resurrection is nothing but dead folks. They're dead in their sins and their trespasses. They're dead from physical death. They're dead from spiritual death. And now they face to be dead spiritual, eternal death. You don't want that. Hear me. You don't want that. You want to be now alive in Christ. You want to be now fired up and living for Him. Whatever you're going to do for Him, you got to do it while you're on top of the earth, is the saying, right? On top of the dirt, as they say. you got to do it now. While you've got the opportunity, while there's breath in that body, oh, friend, now's the time to be in church. Now's the time to worship Him in spirit and truth. Now's the time. You know, that song, you know, if I had no tongue, I would worship you. If I had uh, no feet or whatever it is, I would dance for you. Well, guess what? we got a tongue, and we've got feet. And we've got an opportunity now. You better make the most of it. Make the most of it. Don't wait till it's too late. The writer said, the grave is not going to praise you, Lord. It's not going to happen then. I want to do it now. I want to do it now. Give me life. Give me strength. Give me good health. Let me use it for the right thing. Give me a, a sound mind so that I can worship you and I can praise you and I can understand your word. Let me be a part now. Ask yourself, what is so important that I would not be putting my time into God? Be seated. That I would not be investing my time in worshiping Him. That I would not be investing my time in reading his word, that I would not be investing my time and lifting up my heart with my hands and giving him praise and glory and honor. What is there? As one writer said, what doth hinder? He even pointed out, he said, here's what we need. He said, what doth hinder? What doth hinder? It's right here. 
Come on. It's right here, church family. It's right here. It's, it's, what did it say? Jesus Christ who is so evidently or obviously set before you. Look what's right in front of you. Look what you have. Look at the opportunity. Look that you are healthy enough and strong enough to be in church. Look that you are healthy enough and strong enough to get up and to get ready and to come out to the house of God. Look that you are healthy enough and strong enough that you can be con- continuously um, in, in a good, uh, develop a good habit and a good routine that you're going to uh, extend this and enlarge this. And that is a word, a Bible word, enlarge. You want to enlarge this. He enlarges our steps. Let's, let's tell ourselves that I'm going to put more into God. I'm going to put more into the work of the Lord. I'm going to invest my life in the house of God, in the work of God, in the body of Christ, in the gospel truth. And these people did. It started with about 120. It wasn't a great big number, now was it? It was just a group of people that were determined that he was saying something and they were going to listen to it and obey it. And there was about 380 that didn't take it seriously. There was about 380 that, that just shrugged their shoulders, you know, and just went about doing whatever. And, and uh, consequently, they missed out on the greatest thing that God did for people on the top side of his green earth. And that was, he sent a sound from heaven as of a Russian mighty wind. It filled all the house where these about 120 were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven, tongues like as of fire, sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Everybody said, hallelujah. You know, I go to a cleaner's from time to time, and I drop off my suits and my shirts and stuff, and... and um, uh, the people that run it are Indian, and they have. Uh, I asked them to teach me how to say "How are you," and 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 they did. It it, it it's uh, I, now I can't say because I'm trying to tell you, right? But uh, I'm sorry about that. But anyway, I'll go in and I'll say that to them. But you know, they taught me how to say that. Okay, they taught me how to say that, and and so now it's something that I learned. But boy, wouldn't it be great if I could get in the spirit? And the Lord would just speak through me in the in the Indian tongue, in the Hindu, and that I could I could just preach the gospel to them in their own language. Oh, friend, and it can happen. And don't you know it did in Acts chapter two that when they were filled with the Holy Ghost and the people were looking at them, the crowd that was down there looking at these people as they and they said, "How hear we every man in our own language wherein we were born, our own mother tongue, the countries that we've come from? We've made a pilgrimage." We've come to Jerusalem, and as they did, once a a year they would come. That's not going to church very much now, is it? But they went once a year. But they came from afar, and as they got there, uh, this was a special day. Because this was the day that God had chosen, that His Spirit would be poured out for the first time for whosoever will. And they, 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 they got to see it. They got to hear it. They got to witness it as these about 120 were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. As I said, for the first time, for whosoever will. What a great experience it was for them, and what a great experience and opportunity it made for those that heard what they were saying in their own native language. 
and they understood what was going on. And friend, that day the Bible said 3,000 souls were added to the church. How great it was when Peter gave the first sermon. Peter preached the message and the world was shook to its core. Hell was shook to its foundations because the gospel truth was being preached. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. Repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost, was preached. And the people had cried out and said, what shall we do? What's the next step? You told us. You've convicted us. We, 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 we realize that, that we've done wrong here. We're a part of those that have sinned and done wrong. And, and uh, what shall we do? What steps shall we make? Tell us what to do. And that's when he told them again to repent, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And told them the promise was unto them and to their children, to all them that are afar off. We're claiming that for you, and we're claiming it for your children. We want you to be a part of what God is doing, what he has made available. You're talking about a heavenly opportunity, the, the, the chance of eternity, of a lifetime, to have Jesus Christ baptize you with his Holy Spirit. You want Jesus in your heart, you've got to get the Holy Ghost. That's what he did. That's what he made available. That's his plan. That's his way. Do you hear me? Because the, the, the glorified body is in the heavens and it will remain there until the times of the restitution of all things the book said. In the meantime, in this church age, in this dispensation known as grace, he is pouring out his spirit and telling you, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. He wants to send forth his spirit into your believing heart. That's what he wants to do. And when he judges that your heart, that you are believing the word of God, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you're believing it, then you're going to have us baptize you in Jesus' name. If you're believing it, you're going to receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. And when he sends his spirit into your heart, my friend, he's going to speak through you. And that's when you're going to confess him with your mouth as both Lord and Savior. You're going to speak forth as they said on that very first day. How hear we every man in our own mother language or tongue wherein we were born. The wonderful works of God. That's what happens when you get in the spirit and you begin to speak forth in another language as he gives you the ability to do that. You speak forth the wonderful works of of God. You are bringing praises, my friend, helped and aided by his Holy Spirit, because we don't know what, how we ought to pray, because, but the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, it taught later on to the church, and, and that's where he begins to work through us as we pray, and as we talk to him, and as we try to intercede for a lost and a dying world. Let me tell you, the church has a mission. The church has a, a God-given program. And as they came out of that upper room and Peter preached that message and they baptized 3,000 souls that day, 3,000 men and women, boys and girls got the Holy Ghost that day. How great that was, but it didn't stop there. They filled the city with their doctrine. Every city we're in, we want to fill them with the apostles' doctrine. Because that's what it said, Acts 2.42, that this church that Jesus started, this church that wasn't fly by night, this church that wasn't here today and gone tomorrow, this church that was set to save people, that was planted 
to save people and not going to be moved by people's little splits, not going to be moved by people who 380 go the wrong way and, and get all kinds of other ideas and get involved with uh, filthy lucre and, and greed and get involved with all kinds of ambitions of this life. Oh, no, my friend, people that were going after to check on this and check on that, check on the other. No, sir, I got to go uh, do this and do that. Jesus said, you just let other people take care of that, and you come follow me and preach the gospel. Well, friend, you better hear that call. You better hear that message. You better hear that voice and get used to hearing that voice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so... These folks did, and it was the beginnings. But it, it, it didn't just have a beginning. It had a continuation. The Bible said they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The teachings that Jesus gave to the apostles, they gave to everybody else, and those people gave it to others, and those gave it to others. And here we are almost 2,000 years down the road, okay, generations after generation after generation. And our challenge today is to maintain the integrity of the message. We can't let it get watered down. We can't let it get broken up. We can't allow it to get perverted, changed, to somehow turn to another usage, which is not another, he said. Not another gospel, and there is no other use. There is what there is. There is what Jesus Christ has given, and what he has commissioned, and what he has sent forth his church to do to preach the gospel to every creature. Bring it to everybody everywhere, regardless of what continent, what country, what island, what language, what skin color. Bring it to everybody everywhere. You tell everybody. You witness to everybody. You be a part of uh, building physical plants to house people, to meet together. Because where two or three are gathered to, together in my name, he said, I'll be there. I'll be in the midst. He's a church-going God. Isn't that wonderful? He's a church-going God. I'm glad he comes to do things. I'm glad he comes to answer our prayers. I'm glad he comes to inhabit the praise of his people. If you're not offering up praise, then don't expect to have God in your midst. But if, if you, And if you lose your worship, you will lose your God. But if you will maintain your worship, you will maintain your God. If you will praise him and worship him and love him, offer up a sacrifice of praise unto him, lift up your heart to him, then you're going to have him. He's going to be right there. He's a church-going God. He comes to meet with his people. He loves us. And because the church kept going forward and kept reaching, Philip went down to Samaria to preach Christ to them. And Peter was used to bring the gospel to Cornelius and them of the Italian band. And Paul continued on until he came to the upper coasts of Ephesus where he found people that had heard John the baptizer and had been baptized by him. But they had not yet heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. They had not yet heard that they should be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They missed that Bible study. They didn't get that one from John the baptizer. But Paul gave it to them. He asked them those two most important questions. Have you received the Holy Ghost? since you started believing this way? Have you, unto what then have you been baptized? And they said, John's baptism. And he said, well, you're supposed to believe on him which should come after John. That is, you're supposed to believe on Jesus. Oh, okay. So he rebaptized them, laid hands on them. They received the Holy Ghost. Same pattern, water and spirit. Same pattern, repent, 
Baptism in Jesus' name, Holy Ghost, same pattern. And so it was, my friend, as the church went on. Book of Acts has no amen. We have no amen. We're going to keep on trucking until Jesus returns, until the amen returns. How's that? He is the amen. Hey, thank God and thank God. Give God a big hand with me, will you? Amen. And so a church, a congregation, in other words, got planted at a town called, in a region called Galatia. And as it was, Paul wound up his part in it as the apostle. He began to send them a message, inspired to give them a sermon. And he did so. And we have that book to read today. And in so doing, he made it clear where, where we began. Grace, he said, be to you in peace from, the, from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a, a reference to spirit, God the Father, and to flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ. Please don't get that mistaken, okay? Get it right in the scripture. Spirit in flesh. The word was God. And God is a spirit, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God was manifest in the flesh. That's Bible, chapter and verse. And he said, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. We are surrounded, there's no doubt about that, in this present evil world. But where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Victory. I told Sister William that any time me and Sister Feld ask her on demand, I want to hear victory, victory is mine. Yes, it is, my friend. Oh, yeah, you better be reminded of that over and over. When you're going through your battle, when you're being tested, when you're having your difficult times, you remember victory, victory. It belongs to us. It's ours. It's mine. Claim it. Claim it in the name of Jesus. That he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom glory, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. But look what he said to this congregation. He said, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Another way of thinking, another persuasion, another line of thought. He said, which is not another. But there be some. There's always going to be some. 380, there's always going to be some that trouble you. You know, whether it's through Instagram, generally speaking, social media whether it's through the word of mouth, any other means that can be used. He said there'd be some that trouble you. There'd be some that trouble you. And would pervert the gospel of Christ. There's only one purpose for this gospel. It's to save you. It's to keep you saved. And it's for you to take and save others. That's what the purpose is. That's it, my friend. And he said, listen, whoever they are, and they'll always be they, whoever they are, 
that would trouble you. Whoever they are that would twist this and pervert this and pull it out of context and misapply it and, and uh, bring all kinds of trouble and mix-up, confusion to your mind. He said, remember something. He said, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, that let him, that is, let him meaning that person that troubles you, that person that would pervert, even if it's an angel, he said, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, so important that it, it bears repeating. He said, if any man preach any other gospel, that means man or woman, that means family member, co-worker, so-called friend, or even somebody calls himself a brother or a sister. He said, they preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received. He said, let him be accursed. He said, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. I'm not living for men. I, I'm the, 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 the apostles said, do we, do, do we go about to please men or God? He said, you, you judge in yourselves. You know, I don't know if we should ask that question anymore because people seem to have very bad judgment and they seem to only want to please themselves. And the Bible did say in teaching to the, to the church, the body of Christ, he did say characteristics of this time in which you and I live that they would be, people would be lovers of their own selves more than lovers of God. They want what they want. It's a me generation. You know, set God aside and let me go do what I want to do. Yeah. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Everybody said, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. No, sir. We're not going to change anything. Can we improve on things? Well, I can't improve on Scripture. We cannot improve on the plan of salvation. But our methods, our involvement, our percentage of involvement can be improved upon. The way that we get this message to a lost and a dying people and generation. We can improve on our methods, and we seek to do that. But we got to be careful that we don't fulfill the proverb. That's, it's not a chapter and verse proverb, but it's an old adage. That we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay? That uh, if the water's dirty and we need to get rid of the water, okay. But when you... Chuck the water, don't chuck the baby with it. In other words, in improving our methods and trying to improve upon our ways of communication to get this to people, we're not going to change what we're communicating, what we're preaching, what we're witnessing. We've got to be very, very careful and know that what we have, we have received it of the Lord. We have received it of the apostles. And it has been handed down 
And many people, hear me now, have given their lives. Many men, women, boys and girls. Unsung heroes that have given their lives so that the message would be preserved. This way of truth, as Paul said, after the way that they, there they are again, that they call heresy, so worship I, the God of my fathers, believing all things written in the law and in the prophets. Everybody said hallelujah. And everybody said praise the Lord. Give God a big hand with me, would you? Amen. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear God. I want you to have a very fixed, firm belief. I want you to be wishy-washy, you know, and, and you're getting all worried about hurting somebody's feelings. Well, that's why we try to improve our methods. We try to find ways to communicate this gospel, this truth, without changing it, without compromising it in any way, shape, or form. But we're trying to get it to people with wisdom. He that winneth souls is wise. And we're trying to have the wisdom of God. We're looking for the way, you know, he gave to us, the church, the keys of the kingdom. So we're, we're looking for that right key that fits that lock, that will open that heart of that person that we're doing. We don't want to fuss with people. We don't want to fight with people. But we're not going to be run over. We're not going to let this get perverted. We're not going to be allow people to trouble us and turn things upside down and topsy-turvy and all of that. The church was accused of they who have turned the world upside down have come hither. They actually meant it as a compliment. But I just want you to know, we turn the world right side up. We will turn your world right side up. We, we will get you in the church, the body of Christ, and teach you to where God will raise you up and make you responsible. He will plant your, your feet on a solid rock because we'll lead you to the rock that's higher than you are. And when he plants your, we plant your feet on that rock that's higher than you are, it's going to cause you to take root downward, going to cause you to grow upward, going to cause you to, to produce much fruit, a tremendous yield, 30, 60, and 100 fold, because we're going to plant you. You're going to, you're going to pre present to God a heart that is of good soil. And we'll upgrade the quality and the integrity of your soil. And, and, and it's going to be better and better. We tell people all the time, and I've had people get mad, and they say, how come your plants around your house are more are prettier? You ever see Brother Small's house? Brother, he's got all kinds of plants and fruit going on there. But it's because of this beautiful soil. It is, our soil in, in the natural is our fortune here. And uh, very high in natural resources, God-given natural resources. And, and uh, people will be in other places. My pastor's wife, who is deceased now, died at 97 to go on and be with the Lord. <clears throat> she, uh, when they were leave from this part of the world and go out to, to Louisiana, where they supposedly retired, I think they did, I know that they did more in retirement than many people do in their regular life. But uh, anyway, she would take, we would get her uh, buckets of muck and she would carry it out there and she would uh, plant her little plants and use that buck to do that. Oh yes, my friend, let the soil of your heart be rich like this muck. Let the soil of your heart take in the good seed 
of the Word of God. Take this and love this. How did it say? Let the Word of God dwell richly in your heart. And let it begin to spring forth and take in the moisture as we worship Him. And, and the rain and the glory of, of God's Spirit comes down and waters us. And we praise Him and magnify Him. I'm looking for a not only a beautiful altar here in a few moments, but I'm looking for a beautiful service tonight. Tell yourself, I want to be here. I want to be under the cloud. I want to be under the spout where the glory is coming out. I, I want the Lord to absolutely water me real good and flush out all of the, the fleshly things that build up in my system. I want to just get all that junk out of me and I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. Shall we stand together at this time? Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands. Let's sing and praise and worship God here this morning. God love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you, dear Jesus. Make sure you try to lift that other one in Jesus' name, okay? All right. Thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you, dear God. You're the healer. Praises to the one who 